today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Speaking of uh, leaders getting together, uh, Russia and China, of course, uh, are strengthening their economic ties as Xi Jinping uh, continues talks with Vladimir Putin. Uh, the summit, of course, in Moscow has heightened concerns uh, for Ukraine and, of course, its allies. Global's Kyle Benning has more details for us. Vladimir Putin rolled out all the stops as he greeted Xi Jinping to the presidential palace. Day two of the Moscow summit saw the leaders agree on strengthening ties on energy and tech between the two countries. But Ukraine's allies, including NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg, are keeping a close eye on proceedings. China should not provide lethal aid to, uh, to, uh, to Russia. Uh, that will be uh, uh, to support uh, an illegal war uh, and only prolong the war. He says there isn't any proof Beijing is shipping weapons to Moscow. Japan's prime minister also made a surprise trip to Kyiv, meaning all of the G7 leaders have visited Ukraine since the start of the war. Kyle Benning, Global News. So is this meeting between these two super leaders uh, more show than anything else, or is there something substantive that's going to come out of this? Uh, to uh, get some answers to this, please to welcome back to the program, Oral Brown, who is a professor of international relations and a senior member of the Monk School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto. Professor, pleasure to have you back on the program. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Beyond the photo ops, and, and there are some <laughs> extravagant photo ops every time Vladimir Putin does these sorts of things in this grand palace in which he lives, and you know, the huge ornate doors open, and there he comes out of there. Uh, there's there's going to be some substantive talks here. There's a number of issues uh, where the Chinese and, and Russian leaders are going to have to come sort of consensus. Uh, you got to figure that a lot of the discussion was about Ukraine and the war that's going on there. Uh, what is China's official position? They say they're supportive. Uh, does that mean at the UN? Does that mean uh, with you know supplying arms and and and, and other supports to, to the Russian effort? There, how do you read that? We need to break it down to various components, and there is symbolism, but there is also substance. There is the political element, the economic element, the military one, the legal one, and the worldview that they share. And all of these were on display during this uh, visit, which. Uh, at times looked like something out of a uh, comic operetta. Yeah. With these costumed uh, uh, soldiers goose-stepping, opening 20-foot gold-covered uh, 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 doors, and so on. But when we uh, dissect this, then we can see that politically China is supporting Russia very, very strongly. Even though they did not repeat the term, at least the Chinese did not repeat the term of friendship without limits, they talked about an exemplary relationship that they are getting closer. Economically, Russia has become ever more dependent on China, and they have made a variety of deals where China is getting more energy. China now buys a vast amount of oil from Russia. Russia has replaced Saudi Arabia as the largest oil supplier to China, and uh, that's where they generate a lot of funds. And they are also trying to sell more natural gas. That is more difficult because they have to build additional pipelines. It is not so easy to do that. It takes time. And LNG terminals and LNG supplies uh, are also more complicated. Legally, China has provided uh, a cover for Russia at the United Nations. Even though China claims that it's neutral, it has not condemned Russia. It has not called the Russian action aggression. And the peace plan that was proposed by China, this 
point peace plan is really a non-starter because uh, it does not recognize that Russia needs to withdraw its forces from Ukraine, that this was a war of aggression. And then there is this larger worldview where they both fear United States, where Putin fears United States because he wants to make sure that he stays in power. And in the case of China, Xi Jinping fears United States because of his global ambitions to become the greatest power, the most influential nation in the world and replace United States. Reading between the lines, though, if we could, Professor, China has been supportive, as you mentioned, and, and that's been obvious at the UN and and the economic ties, which, by the way, we, we you know, have to stress here because that's basically, I guess, funding the, the Russian war effort. I mean, you know, if you're, you're buying uh, commodities, oil and, and liquid natural gas and things of this nature, uh, that's putting money into Putin's coffers. We understand that. But as China's supportive of this, I mean, because we had some indications, I think, earlier in the war uh, that China was sort of indicating to the Russians, look, get out of that thing, would you? It's dragging the world economy down. This, you, you guys thought this was going to take weeks, and that's over a year now. What, what, what gets said behind closed doors between the two leaders about that? I, I think we have to look both at the short term of the relationship and at the longer term. In the short term, the relationship is being strengthened. In the long term, I think it's really not sustainable, not the way each of the parties imagines it. So in the short term, China is providing an economic lifeline to Russia because uh, the Kremlin wants to beat the sanctions. They want to be able to buy goods. They want to be able to supply the population. They do not want to have growing opposition to uh, Vladimir Putin's rule. And China is able to buy all these raw materials at really great prices from Russia. They're getting preferential prices. They are extremely good negotiators and Russia is desperate. And China is now by far Russia's largest trading partner. But Russia is not a major trading partner for China. It is way down the list, maybe about 10th. So you can see the asymmetry in that relationship. In military terms, a lot of these economic relations have dual purposes. So if you are selling refrigerators, if you are selling um, washing machines, those have chips. One of the things that we have noticed is that Russia has been trying to buy large numbers of washing machines and, uh, uh, and refrigerators and also electric breast pumps. There's been a huge surge in the <clears throat> importation of uh, all of these goods, including uh, electric best prompts by Armenia and other states that then ship them over to Russia because they have chips and uh, that can be used for military uh, purposes. And so all of this benefits Russia. It generates money for China. But if we look at the long term, it is a much more complex situation because in the case of China, as you hinted, Russia really is a weak ally, and it is a central rule of international relations that you do not let a weak and vulnerable or a misguided ally make decisions for you. And China is beginning to pay a price for Russia's failures in Ukraine because the sanctions that have been applied to Russia are beginning to hit China as well not as hard as they should perhaps, but they are beginning to have an effect. Chinese companies are aware of the fact that they may become vulnerable. Not only that, but the relationship between Russia and China has raised more concern 
about what Chinese intentions are. So now we are talking more about the vulnerabilities that have come as a result of dependence on Chinese goods. Uh, so we are looking for alternatives. We are not using Huawei. We are not looking for China uh, to 5G. Uh, we are aware of Chinese election interference. We are aware of uh, Chinese espionage, industrial uh, espionage. These are not what China wanted because the idea of the Belt and Road Initiative was to create as much dependence on China as possible to the point where that dependence would allow China to basically dictate its own terms in international relations. So that is endangered, and this is why China would be wise to be very cautious about making this relationship too close and allowing Russia to make bad decisions that ultimately cause a good deal of collateral damage to China. Now, from the perspective of Russia, Russia would like to imagine, and it's delusional, that this is, an, a, rela this is a relationship of equals. It is not. Uh, uh, at some point, it may have been during Soviet days, but if you look at the two economies, the Russian economy is, is vastly smaller. It is certainly not competitive internationally. It is energy-based. And what that means is that increasingly Russia may become a vassal state of China's. And that is a historical fear that exists in Russia. And in a sense, uh, Putin is selling the future of Russia by becoming more and more dependent on Chinese largesse, whether it is economic or political or, or legal, international law, that is. Talk to us about the military uh, perspective here. Uh, you mentioned, uh, obviously, the, the concern that China has uh, with Russia's long-term involvement in Ukraine. But it does, not, does it not serve their purposes that as long as Russia is, is at war in Ukraine, that, uh, that China has less pressure on them from the United States with, uh, with some of their ambitions in the South China Sea? That is not an unreasonable assumption, and I think they are making perhaps that assumption in Beijing that... Uh, the West will exhaust itself in Ukraine, that the focus has to be in Europe rather than the shift that NATO is proposing, and especially United States, to the Pacific. This was one of the things that they have criticized at the summit, both Russia and uh, China, this uh, change uh, of focus to the Far East, to the Pacific. But the problem is that even though this may be beneficial in the in the short term, uh, eventually, the war in Ukraine will, will end, and uh, the problem that Russia faces will not, that Russia is a weak state, that uh, unless somehow the West disintegrates in its support for Ukraine and Russia prevails and takes over Ukraine, Russia will have lost this war, and that will have all sorts of repercussions, and that would make it much more difficult for China then to threaten Taiwan. It also is the case that what is happening uh, in Ukraine has alerted the world to the kind of threat that China is uh, um, creating in the South Pacific, uh, 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 where they have acted very aggressively, where they have claimed all sorts of areas that impinge on the sovereignty of the Philippines and other nations. And uh, you can see that Japan is increasingly worried about China. They have decided to very sharply increase the defense expenditures. And it was no coincidence that the Japanese prime minister was visiting 
Kiev at the same time that Xi Jinping was in uh, Moscow. So uh, I think uh, if the Chinese think that uh, this benefit will be unlimited for them, they are very much mistaken. I think that rule in international uh, relations that uh, a weak ally, uh, an unstable ally making decisions in an alliance uh, is dangerous holds and China will learn uh, that rule sooner or later, I'm afraid. Well, we'll have to leave it there for now and see uh, what the next steps are going to be for both those leaders. Uh, Professor, as always, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Professor Earl Brown from uh, University of Toronto. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.